I go to school and I do not like it all the time. But there are good parts about school, like recess, lunch, friends, and field trips. Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter to the church at Philippi. Even though he was in prison, he found joy in a situation. Two things I would like to share about Paul's letter to Philippi. First is about our attitudes towards others. Just like I am in control of my attitude at school, Paul Paul calls the Philippian believers to be in control of their attitudes. He encourages them to have the same attitude as Christ Jesus had. This attitude is one of being humble. In chapter 2, verse 8, it says that he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I must think of other ways... I must think of others and look for ways to help them each day. And second is that we should focus on our heavenly home, not this life on earth. Just like I look forward to lunch and recess, we can anticipate better things to come. Philippians 3, 20 through 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power of him enables to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they can be like his glorious body in conclusion this life is temporary and we need to do our best while we are here on earth we must adjust our attitudes to match christ and focus on our ultimate home in heaven during fall break this year we went to the beach and we were heading back and it was early morning and the sun hadn't come up yet and my mom was really wanting to stop and watch the sunset or the sunrise. Uh, we, my dad really didn't want to because it was, it was going to delay our trip, but uh, he, he put himself aside and we watched the sunrise anyway. He, he, put a, he put her above himself and we stayed and watched that sunrise. In Philippians 1, 9 through 11, we read Paul's prayer to the Philippians. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul's first point is that love may abound in knowledge. Here he means that the more knowledge you have and the more you understand his word, the more your love will be for Christ and the more you can grow with your love. His second point is discernment, which is to judge things well. And if you if you can't judge things well, you're not going to know right from wrong and you can't make the right decisions. His third point is being sincere without offense. We we can't we have to tell people that they're wrong, but we can't tell them that and make them turn away from God. His fourth point is that you'll be filled with the fruit of righteousness. And here Paul is saying to be filled with the fruit of righteousness is that you have to have love, knowledge, and discernment. And once you have all these things, your perspective will change on the whole world. Now, if we adopt these things into our lives, we can be much better servants to God and we can put others above ourselves. For to me... To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul is a prisoner in Rome during the writing of Philippians. Let's turn to Philippians 1, 21 through 24 and see what Paul is saying. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. 
Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. In verse 21, Paul is saying, While we live on this earth, we can preach and teach Christ, but we may be persecuted. This doesn't matter since in the end we will gain heaven. If we keep the faith and do God's will through good times and bad, he will save us a home in heaven. In verse 22, Paul says, If we continue to teach God's word and plant seeds, God will give us an increase. Increase. <clears throat> Paul is saying in verse 23, that sometimes we want to remain on this earth for different reasons. Maybe to try and convert someone in our family to Christianity. On the other hand, we want to live in heaven for eternity to escape the suffering and persecution of this life. In verse 24, Paul is saying that the Philippians need him in the flesh so that he can continue to preach the gospel. If he teaches them, they will teach others, and the church will continue to grow. In conclusion, we must be about our Father's business on this earth, no matter what trials or tribulations we face. We must remain faithful and continue teaching others about God's word. We are all torn wanting to stay on this earth and tell others about God. And being with our Father in heaven, just as Paul wanted the Philippians to continue in the work, we must teach the next generation after us to live for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. We live in a time where people are hyper-focused on personal safety, comfort, and their own ambitions. While this is a widely accepted concept, it is contrary to everything we see in Scripture. Throughout the book of Philippians, Paul gives us instructions on how to live and what it would look like to have the mind of Christ. One particular instruction from Paul involves being unified. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, we are told to stand firm in one spirit with one mind, striving for the faith of the gospel. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 2, he goes on to say we should be of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. This may sound simple, but it is actually one of the biggest struggles the body of Christ face. So the question then becomes, how can we as individual Christians achieve this goal? Paul actually tells us in chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, exactly what we need to do. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. Notice this says, do nothing from selfishness and to be humble. Treat others as more important than yourself. Not as important, but more important. How different is this than what society tells us and often our own nature? If, uh, what would it look like if the body of Christ embraced these ideas? If we considered other people's wants and needs before ours, there would never be conflict, only compromise. We would be quick to right any wrongs, and instead of focusing on problems within the church, we could focus, focus on the Great Commission. 
This may seem like a monumental task, but God would not call us to do something that he was not ready to equip us to do. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We have access to that same strength through Christ. The world calls us to, to live a life of selfishness, but God calls us to something better. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, we read, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So to get things started, let's read from Philippians 3, 2 through 6. Beware of the dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Jesus Christ, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he might have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So how many times do we put too much confidence in ourselves? Well, first off, what does it mean to have too much confidence in the flesh or ourselves? The best example I can think of for for now is a Christian trying to earn heaven or try and feel like he deserves it, when in reality we can never deserve heaven. Now, Paul even tells us in verses 4 through 5 how he was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee. But even he knew that he had nothing because all these things were centered around having confidence in the flesh and not Christ. Now, what are these things that we need We need in order to have confidence in Christ? We need to worship in the Spirit, in God the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. So, in practical speaking, if someone asks you if you've done enough, the answer is always no, but Jesus did. To prepare us for tonight, we've had a class each week this month taught by Neil. All of us were given different verses from the book of Philippians. I was given Philippians 3, 8 through 16. And to sum it up, it tells us that building a relationship with Jesus and getting to God in heaven is all that really matters. I don't know about you, but a lot of things matter to me, like sports, cars, shoes, movies, and many other things. I also love fantasy football. And right before the NFL season started, I got logged out of my fantasy account. I looked everywhere in my notes app for the password and couldn't find it to log back in. Cooper Cup was on my bench, and I don't know if you know anything about the NFL or fantasy football, but Cooper Cup is probably the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. I was so mad and frustrated that I didn't come out of my room at all that day. Well, until Mom brought home wings and the Cowboys game came on. I mean, eventually I got over it. Not really. I'm still mad about it. But I just have to keep telling myself that it doesn't matter and that it's unimportant. What does matter, Paul tells us in Philippians 3.10, which says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Basically, this is saying that we must recognize that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and be baptized for the remission of our sins. This is where Mark 16.16 comes in. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. The worldly things don't matter. Fantasy football doesn't matter. It really doesn't. It's hard to remember that sometimes I myself, it's hard to remember that sometimes, and I myself have that problem and struggle every day putting God 
over the things that I've mentioned. In Philippians 3, 8 through 9, it says, Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Look at Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man had all he ever could have wanted, but it didn't matter in the end because he didn't know God. This last week, I've seen that death knows no age. Death is inevitable and can knock on our door at any moment. It could be tomorrow. It could be today. It could be 75 years from now. It could be 20. You could be 16 years old, and it'd all be over in just a blink of an eye. Only God knows when that time is coming. Thankfully, my friend Tucker was a Christian, and I know where he is. I want to do everything in my ability to see him again and those that I love when I pass from this life into the next. What I know because of God's word is that we must be ready. We must know him now so we can spend eternity with him after this life is over. In Jeremiah 29:11 through 13, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. If we don't believe in the Lord and confess our sins, then we've lost everything. We must follow the Lord in order to have everlasting life with him. And this we have been promised in John 5:24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. If you had two options, what would you choose? I once read a sermon titled, You Always Have Two Doors to Go Through. In this sermon, the, the preacher illustrates that one door is heaven and the other is hell. In Philippians 3:17 through 21 we read of having two ways to walk, and we must choose wisely where we go. Much like having two doors to go through. In this text that I have been given, we read of multiple different things. In verse 18 and 19, we read of people who walk as enemies of the cross. And in verse 17, 20, and 21, we read of the people who walk like Christ. In verse 18 and 19, we read that if you choose the walk, to walk away from the cross, you will find yourself with destruction in the end. And in verse 17, 20, and 21, we read that if you walk near the cross, you will have citizenship in heaven. What the writer is saying in this text is that there are two places to be in the end of the life here on earth. If you don't choose the right path, then you will be lost and filled with earthly things. You are the only one that can decide to make the right choice, and God is here to help you make that right choice. There's no place like home, a phrase that most of you have probably uh, seen before on home decor signs that mom usually uh, hangs up in the house somewhere. Uh, there are many different phrases. Sometimes they're even Bible verses. Um, they're little white signs with... You know, the verse on there, whatever phrase. And uh, I know I've seen plenty of them in my house, personally. But what is the purpose of these signs? Maybe to create a homey or welcoming atmosphere. We'll be looking at um, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 through 21. And it reads, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. 
Here Paul is giving a sort of uh, pep talk to the church of Philippi. What Paul is saying in verse 20 is that this earthly home is only temporary, but what we have, but that we have citizenship in heaven. He says we should look forward to being with Jesus, our Savior. This earthly home can be comfortable or it could be very uncomfortable. The Holy Spirit is known as the Comforter, as seen in John 14. Here on earth there is no hope for eternity except in the glory of God. Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. Verse 21 of Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, Our bodies will be transformed by Christ Jesus when we arrive in that heavenly home. Eternal hope participating in the glory of his body. Do we think about our home in heaven? Sometimes these earthly things stand in our way. God has prepared a place for us, John 14. He has hung that home decor sign up in heaven, welcoming us. We will be ridden of our old earthly body and now transformed, conformed to his glorious body. We really need to be looking forward to being with our Savior. While we are here on earth trying to make home more comfortable, we should be eagerly waiting uh, for our Savior to come up or to come and take us up into heaven. No matter where you live, your real home is heaven. We can get through anything life throws at us because Jesus will give us a perfect body when we, when we die. Also, we should always look forward to being with Jesus. The Greek philosopher Socrates once said, He who is not content with what he has would not be content with what he would like to have. I say this because a few weeks ago we were given our topics, and I was given Philippians 4, 4 through 7, which talks about how being anxious is unnecessary when we can pray to God and thank him for the peace that he gives and brings to our lives. But being human, we tend to forget that sometimes, and that has us longing for more. But we need to know that there is nothing that we need more than what God supplies. Now, I'd like to break the verses down. Uh, verses 4 and 5 talk about the importance of rejoicing and letting all men know your gentleness. And while those things are important, I wanted to mainly focus on verses 6 and 7. Verse 6 states, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Sometimes in life we can get so caught up with things that are stressing us out that we forget to let God know what our problems are. But we truly have nothing to worry about, as we see in Luke 12:24. if you want to turn there. It says, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? So why worry? Verse 7 tells us about the peace that surpasses understanding. In our Bible class on Sunday mornings, one of the big things Neil wanted us to know was that to grow as Christians, we need to be in the, like, the likeness of the mindset of Christ. And one of the ways that we can do that is to have total faith in God. There are very few things that Jesus let bother him. He was constantly scorned by Pharisees. He was burdened with everyone's sins while on the cross. And while he did ask God if there was another way, he went along with it because he had faith in God's plan. Just like the Bobby McFerrin song started, don't worry, be happy. But really, try this coming week to place your burdens in Jesus' hands and know that everything will be all right.
After all, though, we are humans and we do get stressed out and anxious, but we can't let things get to us because God gives us a peace that surpasses understanding. Now, if you'd like to turn to verse 7 of Philippians 4, we see that we are given, God gives us a peace which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Jesus Christ. It's hard to even wrap our minds around the peace that we have through God the Father. He is happy to carry the load. How does one get into Christ and out of a state of anxiety, worry, and hopelessness, though? We are baptized into Christ, participating in his death, burial, and resurrection. We are eager to help you tonight as the waters of baptism are ready and willing to pray, and we are willing to pray for you and with you. Uh, If you would, come to the front while we stand and sing.